Oh, you could also, if you had hire, a bunch of hirelings, you could turn them into mounts. I mean, it's kind of degrading, but yeah. Yeah, I would make sure that, I mean, they have to be willing anyways, but you have to make <laughs> sure that they're, like, willing for that, too. I mean, I mean, come on! You could have a bunch of, like, rhinoceros mounts, and you're paying these people good gold. <laughs> Jeffrey, stop complaining! Stop complaining and let me ride you. You can quit. It's a job. It's not like it's not like indentured servitude. You can quit, Jeffrey. Now let me turn you into a rhinoceros so I can ride you into battle gloriously. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Poor Jeffrey. I feel bad for him. Welcome to Arcane Explained, the podcast where we cover every Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition spell alphabetically. Today, we are talking about animal shapes. My name's Lewis. I'm Matt. And I'm Kirsten. Together, we are going to break down this 8th level transmutation spell. But before we get into that, uh, we just wanted to say we got another piece of feedback from Mr. Landis. He sent a wonderful email after our Magic and Morality episode, uh, giving us some, some pointers about some things that we could have talked about. And we really enjoyed it. We thought there were some really good points in there. And we really want to dig into that one of these days. So thank you, Mr. Landis, for sending the feedback. We really appreciate your loyal viewership. Um, well, Matt, do you want to go ahead and dive in and read this week's spell for us? Absolutely. Animal Shapes. Eighth level transmutation for druids. Casting time, one action. Range, 30 feet. Components, verbal, somatic. Duration, concentration, up to 24 hours. Your magic turns others into beasts. Choose any number of willing creatures that you can see within range. You transform each target into the form of a large or smaller beast with a challenge rating of 4 or lower. On subsequent turns, you can use your action to transform affected creatures into new forms. The transformation lasts for the duration for each target or until the target drops to 0 hit points or dies. You can choose a different form for each target. A target's game statistics are replaced by the statistics of the chosen beast. Though the target retains its alignment and intelligence, wisdom, and charisma scores. The target assumes the hit points of its new form, and when it reverts to its normal form, it returns to the number of hit points it had before it transformed. If it reverts as a result of dropping to zero hit points, any excess damage carries over to its normal form. As long as the excess damage doesn't reduce the creature's normal form to zero hit points, it isn't knocked unconscious. The creature is limited in the actions it can perform by the nature of its new form, and it can't speak or cast spells. The target's gear melds into the new form, the target can't activate, wield, or otherwise benefit from any of its equipment. This is our second concentration spell. Our first was Alter Self, and I don't think we fully got into what exactly is concentration or concentration checks or constitution saving throws. Yeah, I think this is a great time to dig into that because it's definitely, if you're a spellcaster, you at some point are going to have to worry about concentration on at least some spells. So, uh, concentration, the explanation, can be found in the player's handbook on page 203. 
Some spells require you to maintain concentration in order to keep their magic active. If you lose concentration, such a spell ends. If a spell must be maintained with concentration, that fact appears in its duration entry, and the spell specifies how long you can concentrate on it. You can end concentration at any time. No action required. Casting another spell that requires concentration. You lose concentration on a spell if you cast another spell that requires concentration. You can't concentrate on two spells at once. Taking damage. Whenever you take damage while you are concentrating on a spell, you must make a constitution saving throw to maintain your concentration. The DC equals 10, or half the damage you take, whichever number is higher. If you take damage from multiple sources, such as an arrow and a dragon's breath, you make a separate saving throw for each source of damage. Being incapacitated or killed, you lose concentration on a spell if you are incapacitated or if you die. The DM might also decide that certain environmental phenomena, such as a wave crashing over you while you are on a storm-tossed ship, require you to succeed on a DC-10 constitution saving throw to maintain concentration on a spell. Cool. Concentration, uh, as far as concentration checks, can be pretty confusing. At least for me, where that that comes into play is like the con in concentration and then the con in constitution. And so, you know, it just... And then there's like these all these parts to it that you you have to remember and you know it just gets really muddy really quick the other confusing thing for dms and new new dms and new players is that they are called concentration checks but they are a constitution saving throw but you have athletic checks you have stealth checks and those are not the same thing as a saving throw and so when you hear concentration check you don't know do i have my proficiency bonus is this something else but it's actually a constitution saving throw which by the way wizards are proficient in there's also other things too to help you kind of um as a spellcaster maintain concentration better um i my character is a war cleric so she took this but there's a feat in the player's handbook called warcaster that gives you a number of benefits but one of them is that you actually get advantage on concentration checks which, oh my gosh, that comes in really handy. I, it saved my bacon more than one time. And um, there's also, uh, this isn't an official thing, but if you look, if you're a Critical Role fan, if you look in the Tal'Darae campaign guide, there's a feat called Dual Focused, which allows you to actually concentrate on two spells at the same time. The only thing I was going to add to that is that I think a lot of DMs, uh, and maybe even players, they want to like, use a bonus action to end a concentration spell or something like that you know i feel like that's it's easy to get into that trap and so but actually there's no action required to end a concentration spell or whatever you know to end concentration you just say i stop concentrating on the spell that's all you have to say i wanted to give my impressions on this spell my first impressions so when i first read it i kind of just kind of glanced over some of the terminology. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then so I go back to read it again because I'm like, okay, so how many how many people can you like turn into animals? And it's any number of willing creatures that you can see within range. So I don't know, this popped into my head. Like, like let's say you're 
in charge of an army or you're, you know, somehow you're influencing an army and you could technically turn like the entire army into animals. You know what I mean? Like this is just insane when you think about it because it's any number of willing creatures. I think part of it has to be like part, because it's like an eighth level spell, so that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, like especially for such high CR, up to CR four is a, is a lot. Like it's not just like you could turn them all into rats. Like you could turn them all into bears or hawks. That would be such a quick way to move an army if you were like, okay, everybody, I'm gonna turn you all into hawks, and so we're gonna fly north. Exactly. I mean, I was just thinking like some of the big creatures, like turning everyone into giant scorpions or giant boars. And by the way, giant scorpions have 52 hit points. So everyone in the party gets like that bonus 52 hit points. If if you're looking at this spell from a like damage perspective or like how can we use this in combat? I would strongly advise you to change your thinking because that was where I first came from. Like, when you compare this to the only other 8th level spell we did, if you think, okay, well, how do you translate the amount of damage you get from Abi Dalzim's Horrid Wilting and change that into, like, okay, well, what kind of challenge does a party become if we turn into a bunch of CR4 creatures? You look at, at what's available in, in all the content that's come out from Wizards of the Coast. There's not really a lot. This is more like... A utility spell. I feel like for the druids, this is, if you think about it, if you've been playing a long campaign, the players have seen the druid change shape. And that's something magical. And that's something that the other players might maybe not envy, but like, oh, that's super cool. I wish I could do that. Well, this spell allows the druid to share that. And like you said, oh, you could turn into hawks and travel, or you turn into a bunch of bears and, you know, you blend in and you do reconnaissance and things like that. I feel like this spell is either going to be for traveling and or doing something outside of combat. Because I don't really feel like if you have access to 8th level spells, you're going to be fighting 8th level, like things that require 8th level spell. Creatures that have, you know, triple digit hit points and their damage is crazy. Like you're going to be fighting challenging things. So I don't really think this is something you'll use in combat. Well, especially with it being a concentration spell, because if you turn your entire army into a horde of giant scorpions or whatever, you have to maintain concentration on that for the rest of that entire 24 hours or however long the battle lasts, which means that either you have to be very, very careful and very, very powerful so as not to break concentration, or the army has to hide you away to maintain that concentration. So I think that that in itself makes it tricky to use within battle. The other thing that's super, super interesting is if if you're the druid that casts this spell, there's no range on once you've cast it. Like, the creatures, when you cast it, have to be within the 30 feet. But you can just stay wherever you're at, and they can go where they need to go. But what, imagine if you're the arch druid. Like, in my setting, there's this entire region called the Wildlands, and the free folk, kind of, that's where they live, and druids are kind of, like, are held in a higher place in their society. Like, they're kind of like, I don't know, Religious leaders is the closest analogy I can think of, but if you're the archdruid and you need to send a bunch of messengers, right, you could turn people into birds and send them where you need to send them. Like, you could send thousands of people, not thousands, but hundreds, you know, as many people as can fit in 30 feet, and then you could send them out to send messages. I, th- I just, It just came to me, so. I mean, although it may not have, like, because you're right, by the time you're able to get this spell, you're going to be fighting really powerful things. But 
I still think that even like for the hit point boost, like 52 hit points per person for like an army is still pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, it's not exactly a waste of the spell to use that in battle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still think it can have some uses in battle. Like, I don't think you should just throw it away entirely just because you're in battle. You're like, oh, I can't use this now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I still think you can get creative with it depending on the situation. I think a lot of it depends on what you're fighting, too. Like, if you know what you're fighting, you'd have to be careful about, you know, what you could do because I, I don't know. Like, if you're fighting a dragon or something, if you could transform them into something that can attack the dragon then that's cool but like if you don't know that you're fighting a dragon and you're like well i'm just gonna make everybody a scorpion and then the dragon spends the whole 24 hours floating in the air and not being able to be attacked then it can have its drawbacks so i think a lot of it like depends on if you can strategize well otherwise as opposed to just like walking into something and you know being surprised so the druid's choices for eighth level spells are animal shapes antipathy Slash Sympathy, Control Weather, Earthquake, Feeble Mind, Sunburst, Tsunami. But the benefit of being a druid is you're classified as, as like a divine caster. So at the beginning of, of the day, you know, air quotes, day, uh, you get to pick which spell you want to prepare. You still have a limit on how many you can prepare, but you have access to all of these. And so there's no like, there's no like, like with the wizard or with like a sorcerer, very much the sorcerer. Uh, you kind of get stuck with your choices. And so you have to be a little bit more picky. And so the benefit of being a cleric or a druid is that you don't have to be picky. If the situation calls for animal shapes, you have access to it. So I, I feel like there's no harm in like testing this spell out a couple of times. You, like, yeah, you burn through an eighth level spell slot, but hey, you know, you gotta have some levity between, like, fighting ancient liches and, un, uh, you know, the Elder Gods' return. Yeah. I mean, another the other part of this spell is that you can use your action to transform affected creatures into new forms. So, you know, that's pretty cool, too. So, they don't have to stay as one thing. You can use your action and, you know, switch them to something else if you know, let's say the first thing that you turn them to isn't working out or something like that. With that, does that mean that then they, okay, so let's say you went, you had them go to a a scorpion or whatever, and they get 52 hit points, and then they get down to like four or five hit points or whatever, and you're like, you know what, I want them to be a bear, and then you bamf them into a bear, do they then, they then like get all the bear hit points, right? Is that how I would understand that? Yeah. So then that becomes kind of like your, um, like, the, the problem that a lot of people have with druids when you get to 20th level is that they get, like, unlimited beast shapes so that they, they basically become, like, just where you get hit point fodder where every time they change, they get a new whole 100 hit points or whatever. So then you, you kind of have that with that, which is cool. Like, if you are fighting, that you could just be like, oh, oh, you thought you were going to kill my bear? Well, just kidding. He's a scorpion now, and he's got all of his hit points back. <laughs> yeah, that is so crazy. Like, this spell... If done correctly, I feel can really do powerful things. I I mean I I feel like once again I I feel like its utility cannot be underestimated. And just because I personally don't see it being particularly like useful in combat doesn't mean it's not. The benefit of being a DM is that you guys 
surprise me all the time. Uh, I I can't really think of any other classes that that should have access to this, even subclasses. I I feel like this is solely a thing that belongs to druids. I'm surprised because it does feel a little like something. A lot of druid spells are something that like sorcerers would get to, so it feels like something that could be. But I see why they limited it to druids, especially because of the beast shape type of thing. Like it, it's so close anyways so i i could see it but it, to me it has like a similar flavor to a lot of the things that sorcerers and even wizards kind of get anyways i have to say like i i could see maybe if you went with like a fey sorcerer like or maybe a combination of like this the sylvan more of like not the fey but more like well dryads like nature spirits like if you wanted to like because like the sorcerer is like you were exposed to some form of of magic or magical source and or it's in your blood so like imagine if if mortals came too close to like nature spirits and you could maybe homebrew a a nature-based sorcerer where it's kind of like a cross between like some druid spells and but mainly all sorcerer spells oh one more thing i can add the history of this spell it first appeared in third edition and uh it is also an eighth level only druid spell in that edition as well Well, thank you guys so much for discussing that spell with me. I think we've agreed that it has some pretty good uses. Um, and thank you guys for listening to this episode of Arcane Explained. You can follow us at Arcane Explained on Twitter, and you can follow me at Kirsten Geddes. That's K-I-R-S-T-E-N-G-E-D-D-E-S. And you can follow me at Casting Cantrips on Twitter. You can email us your questions, comments, and suggestions to arcaneexplained at gmail.com. If you want to see more information about the stuff that we discussed in today's episode, you can visit our website at arcaneexplained.wordpress.com. We have a Facebook you could follow, facebook.com forward slash arcaneexplained, and Instagram, instagram.com forward slash arcane underscore explained, a Pinterest, pinterest.com forward slash arcaneexplained, a Tumblr, arcaneexplained.tumblr.com, and of course we love hearing from you guys, so any feedback that you like, but we especially love hearing you guys' reviews. So if you get the chance, please go to iTunes or whatever podcasting platform that you guys use. Leave us a review and a rating and let us know what you liked about the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. The next time you cast Animal Shapes, you'll be casting with confidence. Bye! Bye. basically my podcasting setup don't worry guys i got this this is what i do in my free time i don't remember honestly i was waiting i was like why isn't kirsten talking right now oh sorry i was blowing my nose i was trying to keep it away from the mic but sorry guys you think for you think for people who play D&D, a game all about, I don't know, dice and math, we'd be able to be better at numbers. Counting is fun. Two and three, that's the same. The... It's like Animal Messenger, but stronger. Yeah, I was just thinking, I was like, this is like the natural progression, like, Animal Messenger who? I'm gonna make sure my mic is still recording in Audacity. Yep, 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 okay. It's just like the rest of the, the podcast. It's just like, well, where did Matt go? Let's see a transition to the. It's a specific.
Do you? I'm just, I'm explaining my method. So you can hop back and forth. Pew, 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 pew. You're like, you're like a famous person. You're like so famous. Yeah, I'm so famous.